0: Jose, I say Jose, it's time to wake up. Oh, buenos dias, senorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Hey, Michael, mi amigo, pay attention, it's show time. So it is. Pierre, you rascal, you, let's put on the show. Mon ami, I am always ready, as you say, to put on the show. Oh, pardon, madame. That whistle was for my good friend, Fritz. Ach, to lieber. I almost fell out of my upper perch. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. (laughs) (laughs) Ole, ole. It's go time. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. To paraphrase what Sam the American Eagle would say, it's a salute to all things Walt Disney, but mostly Walt Disney World. A former cast member, a longtime lover of the parks, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective about the Walt Disney World Resort. Now please remain quietly seated throughout our tour, and we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. Our podcasters are frightfully sensitive to bright lights. So put on your virtual mouse ears, sit back, And relax and enjoy the podcast. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantengan si alejado del David. Hey, everyone, it is Dave. How is everybody doing? I am back to be your Disney dad again and uh, kind of help you with some of your trip planning questions, questions about the Walt Disney World Resort and other fun assorted topics that may uh, help you to, uh, to understand more about the inner workings of the uh, Walt Disney World Resort. So uh, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Um, the first question comes to me from a uh, young lady named Cassandra who asks, I'm having non-buyer's remorse. Is there a website or number I can call uh, if you want to purchase an item after you return home? Uh, The Disney store in my hometown and their website don't have what I'm looking for. And, Cassandra, you're in luck. There is not a website specifically to uh, handle merchandise requests, but you can call the Walt Disney World merchandise uh, line. And to reach them, call 407-363-6200. And uh, you'll be uh, talking with a person who's in the uh, retail uh, area. And they should be able to help you track down what you're looking for. But beware. There are literally, and I do mean literally, thousands upon thousands of items, and sometimes they're very subtle distinctions between one item and another. Trust me, I remember working with SKUs when I was in the Emporium. You get... Uh, a number of different things that uh, that are going to be similar, and sometimes um, there 's something that comes in and it's, you know it 's a one time shot or a, a small time deal that shows up in a, in a store and may not show up anywhere else in the merchandise areas it 's just uh, a, something that got miss, uh, misshipped or missent. Um, we used to get things all the time that came from, uh, that were suppo- intended for Disneyland uh, that were um, showing up in the emporium and we 'd be like, Well, what the heck are these doing here this doesn 't really help us and we 'd have to send them back to the uh, central warehouse. So uh, the um, key here is, if you ever see anything in the store, uh, in a Disney store, you're in a merchandise location, and you think you might be interested in purchasing it later, and you're having that moment of hesitation, gee, I might want to get this, write down the SKU, or take a picture of the SKU even better so you have it you can uh, work with later. Then when you call the uh, merchandise uh, number, you can uh, actually... Uh, Give them that SKU number and it'll help them to find it Uh, if they have it anywhere in their system They'll find it now. They do charge a nominal amount for shipping, but you know what? It's actually easier in a lot of ways if you're shopping in a store and you're you're going you're from another town or from another city Maybe even from another country and you're doing all your shopping Sometimes it's easier to buy a few things and have them shipped home Um, But it's also a good idea to go ahead and just start noting down the SKUs of things you want call the Walt Disney world merchandise number afterward uh, after you get home, and have them find everything, give you a total cost, and then ship it to your house. You don't have to worry about getting it home, and that way you uh, you you can kind of think through some of the things you want to buy, uh, without having to have that uh, momentary uh, purchasing you know thing where you just feel like oh I have to buy it. It's you know it's now or never. Um, so here's a you know here's a tip for you that may help you. When I used to work in the Emporium, we'd have people come in all the time. Some people, you know, they they'd have um, been been going around. Maybe it's their last day in the park, and they get to a point and they say, gee, I wish I'd have bought X back at whatever store. And if I could get it for them, I would. And a lot of times I could. I'd say, I, you know, just check back in a half an hour and I'll see what I come up with. And if it was somewhere in our store or one of the stores in the Magic Kingdom, I could almost hel- always help them out. If it wasn't in the Magic Kingdom and it was somewhere else, I could al- almost always find a way to help them. Sometimes I had to send, you know, someone else to, uh, to get something or call someone to, uh, to actually take care of the transaction. But there are always ways. Um, so you know, don't ever feel like you're you're you know you have to have that impulse buy right then. Take your time and think about it. Buy the things that have the most meaning to you. And uh, you know, if you want to have an impulse buy, by all means. But uh, if you um, if you want to think about it and then come back later and and pick it up, or you're not sure, or maybe you want to have it shipped home, maybe it's a larger item or something that's somewhat fragile. Then write down the SKU number and uh, you know go back and even if you go into another store, if you give that uh, SKU number to a cast member, they'll have an easier time trying to help you find it if they have a SKU number and a description that goes along with it. Um, one of the things about uh, the SKU numbers that uh, that Disney has is they're all very um, specific. So you have a, um, a three-digit code or a four-digit code at the beginning that tells you what type of merchandise it is, whether it's a um, ready-to-wear merchandise or whether it's a, um, some sort of a uh, glassware or candy or uh, you know some other uh, autographed books. They all have a, a, dig- a code that helps with that, and then it has the rest of the SKU behind it that uh, tells you what exactly it is. So. Uh, and sometimes there's different colors that'll have different numbers at the end and things like that. So as you look at them, um, just make sure you have that SKU number and you'll be able to find it pretty easily. Assuming they still have one around or they can get one, uh, you'll be able to find it pretty easily and be able to get that merchandise. So it's a long-winded answer, but yeah, call that number 407-363-6200 and just let them know what you're looking for and they'll help you out. Or go see a cast member at another merchandise location before you go home and see if they can help you out. Our next question comes to us from a guy named Elliot, who asked a question about miniature golfing. Um, I'm thinking about heading over to Fantasia Mini Golf one evening after going to the boardwalk. Can you tell me if it's worth it, what's it like, what are the costs, and how late are they open? Okay, so good questions. And before I even get to that, I have to put in a commercial plug for an app I built for the iPhone. And it's a miniature golf app, and uh, there's a free version which lets you score nine nine holes of uh, golf, of miniature golf. Uh, You can download it from the iTunes store, uh, and that one's free. And then I have a more robust version that allows you to do some social networking, to be able to um, save your games, do 18 holes of scoring, be able to uh, flag the places that you played and come back and, you know, look at the map later and see where they are. And that's also available in the iTunes store. It's uh, miniature golf scoring. If you look under Kennedy marketing, you'll find it pretty easily, but uh, you can also look for it under miniature golf. Um, I'll also put a link to it on my website, on my blog, at um, davesdisneyview.shorturl.com. On my blog, you'll see it there, so you can uh, you can go and download it. But returning to the question, um, you know, if you're interested, by all means, go and download it. Uh, but uh, returning to the question, uh, I actually think I've played both the uh, Fantasia Mini Golf and the uh, Winter and Summerland Golf uh, courses, and they're all a lot of fun. Now, I love miniature golf. That's why I took the time to create an app. It's a lot of fun to play miniature golf, and actually these are well-themed courses, very well uh, manicured and uh, well taken care of. And they've got some clever things. The Fantasia one has a couple of uh, places where there's like water that squirts out, and you have to kind of go among the uh, the, the uh, hedges of the hedges that are like the uh, the broomsticks and some other things. And uh, it's very clever the way they've got it, the damp- dancing hippo and so forth. Um, so, is it worth it? Yes, I think it is. I mean, like I said, I love miniature golf, and it, as long as it's well-themed, I enjoy it. Um, what's it like? It's just a fun uh, little golf course. The Fantasia one, I think is—I think it's the best of the three, um, but it, yeah, I, they're, all, they're all good. Uh, it's just, I think Fantasia kind of has a special place and it's kind of neat the way they've set it up. What are the costs? Uh, I'm not sure the exact costs, uh, but I believe it's about $12 a person to play. Now, you can get annual pass holder discounts. They do occasionally offer uh, discounts to people who have the Disney Rewards card and occasionally to uh, Florida residents. So you want to just be on the lookout for uh, some, of the, some of the discounts that you can get. The other discount you can get is if you play two courses in the same day, two or more courses in the same day, uh, you can get 50% off your second course. So if you were to play, say, the Fantasia Mini Golf and then go over to Summerland, you could uh, get 50% off on the Summerland Golf. So it's a, there's a benefit to it, to uh, going and playing a couple of courses. And sometimes I'll do that where I'll go to one cor- I'll go to a couple of miniature golf courses during the course of the day. And occasionally there'll be other discounts you can get, and kind of uh, you can't really pile them up or stack them on top of each other. But you can at least take advantage of several of these offers. You can check out uh, a couple of websites out there. Um, You know, I personally really like MouseSavers.com. I think she does a great job of uh, putting together information and helping to find all the all the best discounts. So you might want to check that out and see what um, what kind of discounts are available when you're going. You can check out many of the other Disney. Uh, related websites, you may find something that uh, that kind of goes along with it, too, and find another one that uh, offers a discount that'll work for you. Um, and how late are they open? They're typically open 10 a.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, now, be advised, they do get busy sometimes. Now, one thing that they do that I think they do right that other miniature golf courses don't do as well is they, um, they sort of have a, a staggered start. You know, with mi- other miniature golf courses, they just hand you the, the card and send you on your way. Uh, so, um, if you uh, if you get there, they may actually have you say they may actually tell you you want to you're going to wait And we're going to call you when it's your turn So they put you in the queue and they are staggering starts so that people go out there and they start playing and You don't feel like you're on top of anyone else and no one else is on top of you You know, they're having you move on to the next hole before the next person lines up to start And I think it's kind of clever and works pretty well And you can just kind of hang out in the pro shop there or they have a little little mini game room uh, and You can play a game or something, or you can just kind of hang out um, if, you're, if, you know, if you're there at the right time of day and the shade is over the uh, benches, you can just kind of enjoy the benches and watch other people play mini-golf. Um, and it's kind of nice. So just be advised, certain times of day it gets a little bit more crowded. I find that the mornings work pretty well, usually, if you want to get there and be able to play almost right away. Um, as you get into the late afternoons, it starts to get a little more crowded. And then in the evenings, for a period of time around dinner time-ish, uh, it's, uh, it's a little less crowded and then it starts to get crowded again um, later in the evening uh, up until probably about 9 or 10 o'clock then it, uh, then it starts to drop off again. That's my observation of it um, You may find that it's a little bit different on different days, but it uh, kind of gives you that But I absolutely recommend going to mini golf and don't forget to take my app with you It's kind of fun. Forget the little pencil and the scorecard and just take my app. It's much better We've got an email here from Corey who asks, uh, "Do you have any suggestions for a family family of five as to where to stay? We'll have a car, so staying off property is an option." You know, and that's the question I I ask myself every single time I go. You know, where am I going to stay that would be cost effective for me? And uh, you know, I I look at it this way. I like to stay. um, I, I go to the hotel mainly to sleep. I don't take advantage of most of the hotel amenities when I'm going to Disney World. Now, there are some vacations where I choose to take primarily advantage of the of the, uh, of the the hotel amenities. Um, I've gone to Disney World before where I actually didn't go into a park and just actually took advantage of the hotel amenities. And in that case, I'm willing to pay a little more because I'm not uh, buying any theme park tickets. I'm just going in and enjoying the hotel. And I want to make sure the hotel is well-themed. They have a nice pool, the whole uh, thing there. So... Uh, you know, that's kind of how I start. You know, I start thinking about why am I going there? Because if I'm going there just to sleep and I'm just going to put my head on a pillow and that's the whole reason I'm there, then I'm, going to, I'm probably going to stay off property because I can get a much better value for my money. Now, on the other side of it, uh, some of the off-property hotels offer a free breakfast, uh, which is always kind of nice. Anytime you can get something that's included like that is, is kind of a nice feature. I mean, you think about it. If you're staying at, let's say, the All-Star Resorts and you're spending $100 a night, um, and then you have to go and you have to spend $15 a day uh, for breakfast for, you know, or let's say for the, for the five of you, it's probably going to be $30, $35 for, for breakfast. Um, you know, that, that adds up. So now it's $135 just for the, uh, the night and breakfast, whereas an off-property hotel, maybe you spend 70 or $80 to do the same thing. So, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of a trade-off there. Plus, what I find is the rooms starting at the moderate-price hotels Uh, are a little bit small. Moderate on down are a little bit small. And you can get a bigger room at some of the suite hotels or some of the uh, other hotels that are off property. Like for example, the Hampton Inns that I've stayed at in the past. You get a slightly bigger room that includes a mini fridge and sometimes a microwave um, for for that same amount of money. So if you picked up a couple of snacks and other things that you wanna keep in the room, you can do that. Whereas the moderates and below don't have that by default in the room. Uh, so, you know, you kind of have to take that, um, take that for what it's worth and, uh, you know, be a little more cramped and not like really have their fridge and stuff. So I find that's kind of nice to have that, those features and be able to use them. Now, if you happen to get a good rate at, say, one of the, um, one of the uh, Disney Partner Hotels that's on uh, Hotel Row there right in front of uh, Downtown Disney, you can take advantage of some of the features of Disney hotels but still get the bigger room and some of them have the breakfast included. So you might want to check those out as well. You know, a family of five, you know, the two, double, the two queen beds is almost big enough, you know, for uh, depending on how big the kids are and whatever. It's, you know, it's like the right size to be able to, uh, to stay there. And it's really not that uncomfortable. Uh, so I generally recommend that you find a way to stay off property. Um, you know, if you, for a family of five, it just gets pricey to stay on property. And the trade off is you have to pay the uh, $14 to park every day. not, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. You should figure that into your total cost. Even if I figure that back in, if I was spending $80 plus the 14, that's still 94 and includes breakfast versus 130 to, uh, to stay uh, on property. Now I love the on-property hotels. Don't get me wrong. I think they're well-themed and I think they're really entertaining, but the price points just keep going up. As I look at, uh, which hotels I can stay at and how much they cost, it it gets a little more pricey for a place that I'm just going to go and crash every night so uh I recommend you know I recommend there's a couple of uh, courtyards that are nearby there's a couple of Hampton Inns that are nearby and um, there's a couple of other if you want a larger space, the residence Inn is a really nice space, and you can get sometimes uh, off season you can get that at a really good rate. You want to check out all of the uh, websites uh, that are available to you so you know you uh, go to go to the all the major hotel sites and uh check them out and see if you can find a good rate on a hotel. Um, and you can also check out AAA.com and see what kind of rates they're offering um, off property. And you might find a really good rate that's within reasonable driving distance. I mean, there's a bazillion hotels in a short distance uh, away from Disney World. Um, so, you know, it's kind of worth it. I've stayed up at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn across from SeaWorld, and that's, you know, that's still only maybe a 10-minute drive. It's really not so bad. So if you look at the distances, it's really not a, not a bad drive to get from somewhere into Disney World. We got an email here from Julie, who writes in and says that this is our first visit to Walt Disney World, and I have no idea how the Photo Pass works. Is this something we can get before we leave on our trip? How much does it cost? How do we get it? Any help is appreciated. Well, Julie, uh, this is actually an easy one. Uh, Photo Pass is a uh, like a little plastic card that they give you, and you get it whenever. Remember, I told you in a previous podcast that. the PhotoPass people have been kind of hooked up with all of the characters, so no matter where you go in the parks anymore, you're going to find a PhotoPass person taking pictures uh, with the char- with any character that's out there, and you'll also see them on Main Street, in front of the castle, in front of the uh, in front of the big sphere in, in Epcot, um, in front of the Tree of Life, you know, pretty much everywhere. They're wearing a, usually a white shirt and blue pants and a little vest that says PhotoPass on it, and they'll have the nice cameras and uh, they'll be out there taking pictures. So the first time you encounter one of these guys, or girls, just tell them you need a PhotoPass card. They'll hand you a card. It's got a little number on the back of it. And Every time you go to see another character or see another PhotoPass person, just hand them the card. They'll add your pictures to that card, and uh, you'll be able to uh, view them all at any time. You can, of course, view them uh, online at your convenience uh, by going to the website DisneyPhotoPass.com. Put in that special number that's on the back of the card. And they'll help you to, uh, to find, uh, they'll, they'll produce all the pictures that were uh, associated with that card. Um, so that's kind of a nice way to get to the pictures. Uh, you can also go to any PhotoPass location in any of the parks. They'll show you the, uh, all of the pictures that you have on the card, so you can start thinking about which ones you want to have, or maybe you want to go back and see a character again. If, you know, little Johnny's eyes were closed uh, when you were in the park, and maybe you want to make sure you get a good picture with him, of him with Peter Pan, you can always find Peter again and get another picture taken. So it's kind of nice because you can almost do it in real time. Um, so it's, uh, it's really a pretty easy feature. The card itself is free. They'll hand it to you. And what they do is they will sell you a package of photos. Uh, you decide what you'd like to purchase out of all the photos they take. Uh, so you, you go home, you look at the photos or you look at them in the store or whatever, and you find the photos you want. And they charge you a set price for each of the photos that you want. Or they have package prices if you want multiple photos. Or they will sell you a CD of all your photos if you've got a number of photos that might be worthwhile. Um, I can't remember what the exact price point is. It's around maybe $100 for the CD. But it's well worth it if you think there's a lot of pictures that you really like. They'll also throw in some pictures of um, static objects with, around Walt Disney World that will remind you of your trip. Uh, so, of course, the castle. Uh, the the uh, uh, Some of the topiaries if you happen to go during the... Uh, the uh, Flower and Garden Festival, or even if they have them out at other times. Uh, The monorail, of course, and different things like that. So you can use some of those pictures uh, within your pictures. And they'll give you certain uh, fonts and scripts and different little sayings you can put on there and pictures of some of the characters. And they do some things, and you can add them if you print some of the pictures. and It's really pretty cool, it's very nice. It's a really nice feature that they offer. And I highly encourage you to take care of it, uh, take advantage of it. The one thing I will tell you is, when you uh, when you get your card, uh, you know, make sure you hold on to it. If you lose your card, it's not the end of the world. Disney's really good about um, about uh, help find the pictures that were on the card. Uh, for instance, one year I went with my uh, with my kids, and we were taking some pictures, and we had the photo pass, and somebody was taking some pictures, and I wanted to. S- there was one picture in particular that I wanted to see, and somewhere along the way, I dropped my photo pass card and I lost it. Now I got another one, so the rest of the trip I had on that one photo pass. And if you misplace it, you can always get another photo pass and just use that one too, because you can add multiple photo passes to your account. Um, so I had my, uh, I lost my photo pass card. So what I did, there's a link on the website, that, you know, help with my photo pass. And what you can do is just tell them what day and time you were there, give them some of the some of the characters you saw or some of the places that you took a picture, and then uh, give them a description of what who was in the picture. Now in my case, I had my cell phone with me, so I had taken a couple of pictures next to the photo pass person. So I said, well. It looks just like this one, you know, because here's, you know, here's my son, and he looks like this, and he's wearing this color and this shirt, and his friend is wearing this and that. And um, lo and behold, about two days later, I got a whole stack of um, photos that were, uh, that were um, mine. And there was a few others in there that were mixed in that um, were in numbers close to mine, and they weren't sure if they were mine, so they gave those to me too and said, if they're not yours, just check the box, and they'll leave your queue. But it was easy to find the photos. I mean, it just worked out really well, so don't fret if you happen to lose it. The other thing is, too, of course, you can still bring your own camera and take your own pictures. What we like to do in my family is we'll take our own camera, we'll take our own pictures, we'll let the PhotoPass people take pictures, and we'll pick and choose the best among the pictures because now I've got two of everything, right? I've taken one, and the PhotoPass person has taken one. Maybe mine's better, maybe theirs is better, but I always see if I can capture the moment you can upload your own photos to the PhotoPass site to kind of go with it. You can share that with other people and let them look at the photos. Say, Grandma and Grandpa couldn't come with you, and maybe they'd like to have a couple of pictures of Little Johnny out there um, you know, with, uh, with Peter Pan. You can send them the link. They can order some pictures, too, if they want to. Um, and it's kind of nice because then they can do their own little slideshow and look at the pictures and see how much fun you were having at Disney World. So um, that's, where I, uh, that's where I get it. That's what I do with it. Next up is uh, an email from Alexa who wonders, which is the best fireworks show that you can see? Okay, so there's a couple of fireworks shows, right? You've got the one over the Magic Kingdom, the uh, Wishes Nighttime Spectacular, you've got Illuminations in Epcot, and you've got Fantasmic over in the, uh, the studios. Now, each one is different from the rest and they're all unique and they all have their, their characteristics that are kind of neat. I like, I like um, each of them for different reasons. And let me try and explain. When you look at uh, Wishes, it's truly just a fireworks show, but there's something special about seeing the fireworks uh, exploding over the castle that just really make it kind of nice. Now, of course, they're actually on a barge kind of behind the castle, so you can see them from anywhere in the park, but if you're standing on Main Street and you see them behind the castle and hear the music, there is something kind of special about that. But they're just fireworks. So in some ways, the other shows are more spectacular. Illuminations does something that's a really spectacular show. Uh, over in Epcot, where you're, um, you're looking out in the, uh, in the lagoon, and they have this giant earth that's out there that's, got a, um, that's, that's actually showing videos on each of the uh, continents. Um, and it opens up, and it has flames that come out, and it has, a, uh, it has some interesting things that it does, some fireworks come out of it as well. You have the fireworks, there's some laser parts to the show. Um, it is really, really something, and all the countries are involved and get get lit up along the way and have some part in the show. It's very, very clever, and I think it's one of the most um, unique shows that I've ever seen. And I really enjoy watching it. I try and see it every time that I'm in Epcot because it's really, it's really pretty neat. Uh, and it really does uh, kind of capture everything that Disney does well as far as um, nighttime spectaculars uh, to put everything together. And then the third one, Fantasmic, um, I really like the fact that you know you're, you're, it's a storytelling event, right? Mickey takes on the, you know, the bad people, right? Uh, Mickey becomes the sorcerer. Mickey wins the day. You know, Mickey. Mickey is the is the great character, and pretty much all of the characters appear in the show, and they do some really nice fireworks and some uh, some laser things, and then some audio animatronic things, and of course Mickey's there, and that one's a really nice show, um, and it's a lot of fun to see. I uh, I really I really do like that one. I actually haven't seen it in a while now. I've been to the studios a couple of times over the last couple of years, but I haven't seen it in three or four years now. Um, so that kind of tells you what I think about it. I like it. But I haven't really missed it, haven't really had a desire, you know, the burning desire to go and see it. Whereas in Epcot, I always want to see illuminations. So, in answer to your question, which one is the best? In my opinion, the Illumination show is the best. Uh, I think it just, it combines the most uh, spectacular effects and the most, it gives the most um, bang for the buck, as it were, to kind of give you something really uh, interesting and different that you don't see anywhere else. And then I think second for me would be Fantasmic, and third would be the Wishes uh, show, Um, Now, that's not to say that I don't like Wishes. By any stretch of the imagination, I don't want it to come off that way. I really do like it, but I like some of the other shows better. That's just my opinion. And our last email actually is a a couple of emails. I got two separate emails uh, asking about uh, the topic of gay days uh, at Walt Disney World. The first was asking for help in which days that the uh, gay days are happening at the Magic Kingdom, uh, or at the Walt Disney World Resort. And... um, The other was from someone asking what they were all about and whether they should avoid the park on the days that Gay Days are going on. So let me just back up. What are Gay Days? Well, back uh, a few years ago, uh, actually I think it's uh, almost 20 years now, um, Gay Days began in 1991 and at the time it was the Gay Day in the Magic Kingdom, a single day when the gay and the gay supportive community was encouraged to wear red and be seen while visiting the Walt Disney World's most popular theme park. Over the years, it's grown to a week-long event, and uh, you can learn more about the event itself by visiting GayDays.com. Now, it is not a Disney-sponsored event. Disney kind of, you know, turns a blind eye to it like they do most events that happen. A lot of people plan their events and activities around Walt Disney World, and this one is no different. It's really just an opportunity for the gay and lesbian community to come out and show some pride in who they are and and what they do, and, uh, you know, get out there and and, uh, just have a couple of days in the park and really enjoy themselves. And this year, it's scheduled to go from um, May thirty first to June sixth. Um, it's very, it is very well attended, and the uh, plan is for them to be in the Animal Kingdom on Thursday, June second, the Hollywood Studios on June third, uh, the Magic Kingdom on Saturday, the fourth, and Epcot on June fifth. Now, should you avoid it? No, of course not. Like any other thing that happens at Walt Disney World, when there's a big uh, grad night or there's a bunch of um, there's a you know uh, bunch of high school bands that are there, you know people are people. And some people are, you know, some people are nicer than others. Some people are more rowdy than others. That's just the way it is. This is no different. Um, there's no reason to avoid it. In fact, you know, it's its just kind of a fun thing. People are out there having fun. Sometimes you can identify them because they're wearing one color and there's a large group. Sometimes you can't. You know, it's just one of those things that uh, that I think is kind of cool that, uh, you know, they get together and as a group and they found a way to, uh, to enjoy themselves. And you can visit GayDays.com to learn more and find out more about the dates. But I absolutely believe that there is no reason to avoid the parks. You should go, just enjoy yourself as you would any other day, and don't worry about it. It's, uh, it's just, you know, it's, there's nothing in your face about it. It's just another group that's there having a good time in the parks, just like you are. So finally today, uh, I heard from someone named Lisa who wanted to share a tip with everyone. What she suggests is to make a cast member's day by saying hello in the language of the country they're from. So when you're in Epcot, walk up to them and actually uh, say hello in their, in their language. Uh, It's especially fun for the little ones and also teaches them a word in another language. Now, I'm going to give you the words and I'm going to tell you how to say hello. Now, I'll kind of caveat that with it's not always hello and I'll tell you what the word is in that case. So as you're walking your way around, uh, when you walk into Mexico, of course, you can say hola uh, and uh, talk to someone uh, uh, who's Mexican. Uh, When you go to Norway, say dog, and uh, that's actually a good day. Uh, You can say that to them. In China, it's ni hao. Uh, you can walk up and say, uh, Ni hao, and they will, uh, they'll look at you and smile. Uh, in Germany, it's Guten Tag, and that, is, uh, that also means good day. Uh, y- you know, you can, you can say uh, Guten Abend if it's the evening, uh, but uh, good day will work fine. In Italy, I'll give you the word for uh, good, uh, basically good day as well. It's Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Uh, so if you walk up to somebody in Italy, they'll, uh, they'll get a good smile, I'm sure, if you do that. Uh, go to Japan and say, Ohayou gozaimasu. Uh, and you, that essentially means good morning. There are other ways to say good evening and good night, uh, but you know, if you go early in the day and you say that, even if you say it during the middle of the day, I, I think they'd uh, appreciate the fact that you're uh, that you're using their language with them. In Morocco, you want to say salam alaikum, uh, and then in France, uh, you can walk up and say bonjour, which of course means a uh, good day. Uh, and uh, in the U.S., well, that one's a tough one. I, I might say that you could say hello. Uh, in Canada, you might be surprised to learn that in Canada, they ac- they actually do speak English, uh, and you can you can actually say uh, hello. Or because uh, part of Canada is French, you could try bonjour if the person happens to speak French. Uh, in the UK, you know what language they speak in the UK. English, of course, so you could say hello to them as well. Well, I hope I've been able to answer all of your questions. Uh, keep those questions coming in. If you'd like to ask me a question, feel free to send them to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to, uh, to listen to them and uh, give you some answers back and uh, you know, try and help you out as well. And that is my show for today. I am out. I'll see ya. Most of the music you're hearing on this podcast is from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. Craig does a number of things in the techno space you can find Craig's music on myspace.com sounda sound a as an apple and my thanks also to Doug over at geekacres.net for his rendition of a Jack Wagner classic and now we've reached our destination in the 21st century yes I know it went by so fast but don't worry because the future is always in front of us thanks for riding with us Please collect your personal belongings and step onto the moving platform. The platform and your car are moving at equal, yet opposite speeds, so watch your head and step. If you have questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, or would just like to ask Dave a question about Disney planning or anything else, send him an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. And now I gotta be moving along. I'm heading for a little bit of fun now, he's hoping for a little more excitement. time to be moving along, it's time to be moving along, time to be moving along.